Oh, yes. This is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by Cheshire Impact, on a mission to help people maximize their use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. Bam. There it is. Man, I hit record, and this, this fun train leaves the station. Uh, this is going to be a good one. A lot of fun. Uh, someone who I really respect um, in the LinkedIn community, really a thought leader, a thought leader of thought leaders in the LinkedIn community, someone that I'm constantly engaging with. I can't help but engage with on LinkedIn. And I feel fortunate enough to get him on here. C-level um, sales growth leader, trainer, consultant, B2B strategy on uh, the sales side, the sales expertise. We need more of that on this show. Um, industry thought leader, quoted by Forbes, quoted by Huffington Post, you name it, they're all listening to him. I am too. CEO of Scaled Consulting, Jake Dunlap. Welcome to the show, sir. Awesome, man. I love that intro. I'm looking forward to this. You know what? You just put that on rewind and just listen to that in yeah, the morning. Yeah, dude. Like yeah, mantra. it's like a pump up, man. It's kind of like yes. listening to Gary Vee. If, you if you're ever down, you know, just pop it in for like you know, 20 seconds and you're yes. like, I can crush life. Right before a meeting or something, you're like, I just got introduced <laughs> by Casey Cheshire. Yeah, yeah, um, I love so, it. So, hey, man, you know, this show, it's our, it's our sales leadership series. Just, you know, we have a lot of marketing teams listening. Yeah. We do have sales teams listening. And we just, we need to, you know, get to the bottom of this, understand more about the sales side too. So, I got to pass you something Good. here real quick. It's heavy, but I think it looks All like right. you work out. So, here you go. Ugh. All right, here we go. Thor's hammer. Right, Thor's Take hammer. Take that. You got All it? All right. All right. There you go. Great. Take Thor's hammer and smash for me some kind of bogus myth, myth, misconception, just crazy strategy. Set the record straight once and for all. Well, look, I, I can, I've, I'm, I, I, I naturally like the contrarian role. Let's put it that way. So this for me is kind of where I, I live. So nice. I'll talk about sales since, you know, since your audience doesn't get as much of a taste of, of that or, or needs more. And it's that sales is not as repeatable as sales leaders make it out to be. And what I mean by that is sales is a science, meaning there is neuroscience behind it, there's NLP, there's psychology, and, and there's the, that's the behavioral side. And then there's the process side, that despite what anybody tells you, deals and sales follow a very specific pattern over and over again. You have a discovery call, then if there's interest, they loop in other people and you loop yeah. in other people. And then if there's interest, there's like a bigger meeting and then you put together a proposal or some type of proof of concept and then you close the deal. And so all this myth about XYZ methodologies, it's the same process. It's just different actors. It's just like, oh, this is a, mm. a one, seven, two pattern. This is a two, six, three pattern. And, gotcha. and I feel like too many people make sales out to be more complicated than it is. And yeah, there's the person to person behavioral side. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about it. It's about the pattern of how a typical deal gets done. And I think more people need to think about building more repeatable processes and not letting sales get by with this like, well, we just go out and like make, make things happen. Like, nah, it's, it's, it's very much, there's a science to it. There's a right. There, I, I think that that's it. That maybe I believe there's a right and a wrong way to do sales. And that it actually is that black and white. And it's not this like, well, it's a little bit like this and this. Like, no, it's like if a deal starts here, this is how it goes. If it starts here, because I've seen the pattern, just yeah. pattern recognition. So it's not like, hey, whatever, everyone's method is okay, everybody. Just make some phone calls and 
do whatever you want to no. do. You'll be fine. It's like I'm yeah. literally getting anxiety as you're talking right now. <laughs> I'm like right? immediately I'm like, like triggering you. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm just like, okay, can I, I can't reach through the screen with the hammer right now. But. I know, smash me in the face with it. <laughs> so, so now, so it, it is more, it can be more repeatable, but people aren't doing it that way. Or well, I, I think what there's a couple of things. I think with sales, we let it get away with being some type of dark art. And I think we let it get we let it get away with like not holding us accountable to building out a repeatable engine, right? Like if you're analyzing your data and you're looking at what's working and what's not working, you can actually continue to optimize the process. But if you've got you know a hundred people doing it a hundred different ways or don't have a consistent methodology, you can't optimize. So to True. me, it's it's you can't optimize something with with you know eight thousand variables. I need less variables right? Then I can apply, you know, the scientific method of hypotheses and making educated guesses and testing right. and, and iterating. And I feel like sales organizations have to, especially kind of in this post COVID world and not really post, right? We're still in the thick of it. Um, sales leaders are going to have to get smarter about how they're running their teams and drive out more and more ambiguity, if at all possible. Man, so this this reminds me a lot of the marketing side too, where exactly. you have a lot exactly. of people shooting from the hip with their emails, and it's like, hmm, you know, there's this thing called marketing automation that came out, I don't know, 15 years ago, that you could potentially build some nurtures out and um, and make it more of a repeatable process for people. Uh, what, why, why are, why is it the dark arts for a lot of teams? Why are, is it not as repeatable as it should? Why be? do you think salespeople are the highest paid people in an organization? Yeah. Why is that? <laughs> because, because they're hunters with spears. It's a dark art. Oh, right? the dark. You art. don't get paid, right? If I told you it was all repeatable, and I said, "Look, Timmy, like, I'm just going to have you repeat this process over and over again. I don't need to pay Timmy 80k and 80k, 160k for a you know four years out of school." right? Because Timmy right. somehow makes magic happen. So <laughs> I'm going to pay him, you know, more than probably 92% of the people in my org, my sales leader, sales leaders on most organizations. Now I'm not talking about big corporates where the CEO sure. makes, you know, millions and millions, but for most companies, sales leaders, highest paid person in the organization. Why? Well, there's just something Timmy does. Yes. You know, there's just magic that, you know, she or he makes happen. And, and I think a lot of it is job security. It's, it'll happen. Like, look, yeah. I, I, and, and again, you can go play this back in 2030. And I think I'm, I'm going to be right that it's mm -hmm. going to happen. Sales is going to start to move toward more of a process role. Marketing is taking over more and more of the funnel. Customer success and onboarding is moving further up the funnel. Sales is really just going to be about like that, those nuances of like creating some momentum and mm -hmm. project managing. Then it is about, uh, because buyer behavior is changing so rapidly. Mm. You know, buyers don't want that shit, man. Buyers aren't trying. They're not like, oh, great, another steak dinner. Like, no, they want a business need solved. You right. know, I've, I've been saying this, and again, and I've been extremely successful my entire career in sales. And, you know, what I would tell my teams, I'm like, dude, you don't need another friend in Seattle. You need a fucking deal, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> I don't need another buddy in Boise, Idaho. Like, look, it doesn't mean I'm not going to be friendly. I'm, right. You know, like I want to get this done, but, but, and, and guess what? They don't want a friend either. Now, guess what? Once we get into the deal and we get the deal done, then great. Like, let's be friends. But I feel like too many people think that that's what sales is. They think it's relationship building. No, it's about solving challenges. And, you know, and, and that therefore I think over time, buyers are going to be coming in more educated. 
right? And we've been saying this for a while, but it's actually becoming more and more true as more and more sure. information is actually available about yeah. B2B companies online. Um, and therefore the relationship they're looking from from sales is changing. You know, they're looking for something like, look, hey, John, I'm already there, dude. Can we stop this BS? Like the whole sales development rep, you know, for an inbound lead. Can you imagine that? I, I'm, like, you're requesting a demo. And now most SaaS or you know, tech companies, it's like, I'm going to make you talk to someone who doesn't, who's never been trained on the product. <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> dude, I sent out four requests. I know what I need. So we've created a lot of friction, a lot of very, very sales centric habits over the years that we're going to have to break down as buyers are, are just asking for something different. They want, they want a different experience. We've forgotten about, well, isn't the first job of like the first call to get somebody excited to like get them into the process to really understand like what's happening in their business versus budget authority need and time. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it is. And, and we'll, we'll come back. I mean, look, I've, I've, you know, been in sales now for, you know, 17 years professionally. I did telemarketing and everything in college. We'll get into that later, but yeah. um, you know, it's a cycle. Uh, you know, it's like kind of like how direct mail and sending people things is hot again. I'm like, dude, I was sending people college sweaters in like 2009. You know, and like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like it, it, it'll be a cycle. Like we, we've went really heavy on the tech and the automation and training it out. And, you know, as we go, as, as AI gets better and can automate that stuff, then really what will be left for sales is that other thing that I'm talking about Yeah, is the ability to create emotion is the ability to get uncomfortable and like execute the, the process with, you know, a certain level of expertise. Right, because the more and more of a process it becomes, there's less wiggle room and there's less need for the, the dark arts. You mentioned even like relationship building. I think a lot of people would, would say relationships seem like a gray area, like a, like a dark art. Like what of makes course. people like you? I don't know. There's like, so much science behind this. gal to like woo our customer because we don't know what she's doing. But to your point, like solve a freaking problem, you know? That's it, dude. That's yeah. it. Like I'm not... Like the key is both, but it is a science. It's behavioral science. Mm. I know, I, look, there is, there's like a, I'll give you like a, just a perfect example, which is a, a questioning technique called priming. And you don't even realize it's happening. If I want a response for you, I can, I can generate whatever response with a question I ask. And I'll, I'll just give you an example. If I go to you and I say, what are your top two priorities for next year? Okay, it's open. You can answer it. Yeah. If I say, what are your top two priorities around social media and content production? How, <laughs> how are you going to answer that exact same question completely differently? And, and, and that's a technique called priming. I'm priming your response to, to focus on this thing. Same thing as lunch. I want to go or out and order lunch. What do you want for lunch today? I don't know. Right. I said, what do you want for lunch? You know, I'm thinking either Italian or Chinese. Now you're going to probably comment on Italian or Chinese. Like there's there, that is the, the, the psychology behind sales. And we are not, that is the part that we need to continue to train people on. It's the process. How, how do you use that? Like how does that, how does that help the sale out? The problem? Uh, because then I can guide, well, I can start to get you to realize things that you may or may not realize by using questions. So great. So how, like, great. So what happens when you can't hit those production schedules? Hmm. Well, I don't know. Well, how's that going to impact the business? If you're not able again to hit that production time, right. oh my God, Jacob, I don't even know. I, I know. I know. That's what I'm here for. Right. So there's, there's, there's just, I'm ready to get, buy whatever you're selling. And I know, it up man. I've done head. this 8 billion times, man. So, but again, that goes to my point. Like I can, it sounds that way because I've done it 10,000 times. Yeah. The same thing 
over and over. So you're right. Mark, marketing is ahead of sales, at least. At least, mm. you know, they look at things in a more quantitative way. True. But sales, it's, it's, it's going to be a mix of this process I'm talking about and going back to actually people not having the relationship, but the sales skills. And I think that, that is the, kind of like the decoupling of that. The relationship skills are like I'm being likable and friendly versus right. I understand what makes people move. And I'm going to um, communicate in a way that um, makes that easier. Well, we've always heard that like you do business for people you trust, right? So that means that would like, oh, you need the relationship. If they don't trust you, they won't buy from you. There's but an over I guess reliance on that though, right? Over reliance. Just because I trust you also doesn't mean I won't buy it from you, right? Like, True. you know, and I think that that's, yeah. that, 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 that is when we get out of this. And I know we're kind of jumping a little bit, but when we get out of this, let me tell you what I'm terrified about. Yeah. I am terrified for like late 40s, early 50s enterprise salespeople. Those, mm. those men and women that you know that have been working from home, they're, but they're on a plane every week and carrying a bag. The skill sets now that more and more buyers are going to want to do Zoom and digital for the next, you know, at least year and a half. Yeah. What are, what are these people going to do, man? Because they don't, they don't like to use tech. They're used to just relying on a relationship. I think we're going to have a lot of unemployed salespeople in the next year and a half, two years. And it's going to yeah, be sad because it's going to yeah, be, later, sometimes it's gonna be they, later career people. Sometimes they'll outsource the demo itself. You know, you got, got an SE coming in. So they don't, they don't even need exactly. to know the tech. They can't even answer a question about the tech. Right? It's hey, insane. How, how does right? this work? Um, <laughs> well, let me bring in John. All right, let's go out to the links tomorrow, Ken. Come on, man. Two, yeah. one, dude, nobody... <laughs> Odd, man. You know what you do though? You bring in three resources. You get it asked a question you don't know. Uh, That's a great question. Let's we're gonna bring in three uh, different resources tomorrow: an architect and a. Yeah, but there. Well, again, I guess there is a psychology behind the more people that you bring into a deal, the higher likelihood. Because again, we is that true? It. Does that work? Yeah, yeah. There's a whole the guy wrote a book. We'll start abusing that tomorrow. A bunch of studies <laughs> on it. Yeah, no, it's true. It's called deal. I think it's a book's called Deal Storming, and he talks about um, the data behind when you bring more people because it's like. It, what it does is it creates, it starts to create guilt in the other party. <laughs> it's what I'm being dead serious. That's what it is. Yeah. All of a sudden, oh my, oh, Jake brought four people. Oh my God, this is getting serious. I don't, we have this innate as, as humans, we don't like to disappoint other people. Oh, geez. And especially in, in the U.S. In, in an American culture, there's other cultures that um, are worse at this. Uh, but in America, we're, you know, we're not, we don't, we're actually like lower on this, but we don't like to disappoint people. And so I know if I show up at your office, your likelihood to tell me no plummets. If I bring more people, you're like at least going to probably let us get to the next step. So <laughs> to bring like, like eight said, people. Man, I'm just pulling like, back I've been the on a meeting here. like that. I've been I'm, brought in. And exactly. Like, why did they even take that meeting? They said no on the last phone call. Then you get brought in a meeting. You're like, why are we even here? They said no. And then it eventually works. You're like what just happened? I know, man. But, but, but again, it's a science. But I'm telling you, yes, dude. Yeah. Like I can recite this to, again. There's like books. I mean, there's tons of stuff. I, that's what I did early in my career. And I studied this stuff. Yeah. Right. Like I picked a profession and became good at it by studying right. and, you know, like following people and mimicking people and learning and then executing what I learned, you know, and, and that's, yeah. and that's where this, this kind of science to sales comes in. And so I think more people just need to have an appreciation that, you can build repeatable engines. You know, you can build this into a process. Everything I'm saying is something I learned. Is there a base pattern? You mentioned the pattern earlier. Is there like yes. a... Yes, it's the is same. Is it complicated but, or is it... No, no I'll, I'll get it to you. There's two yeah. patterns. 
Two but patterns. Then, again, I'm talking about B2B sales. Well, but it's not. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is, we're mostly B2B here anyway, so that makes sense. Um, so, yeah, it is very repeatable. So think about it like this. If you get introduced to a decision maker, what happens? Well, you need to get them to see the business utility. And then guess what needs to happen? The end users need to see it to make sure it's something they like. So therefore, when I'm wrapping up the meeting with the decision maker, say, great, typical next steps. Let's loop in Jill's team. She's going to, like, her team will be using XYZ. We'll yep. do a high level for them, see if it's something that they find value in. If that's the case, then we'll talk through next steps on what a proof of concept or whatever, again, if you have a trial or not, right? What a proof of concept looks like. You, like we'll talk pricing, assuming that there's a fit, and we'll go from there. And then you do that. You go, you get Jill bought in, you set the meeting with, with you know, this person, then you talk budget, you go through a proof of concept, you set the KPIs for success. Now you got to execute this, right? That's where the right. skill comes in. And then they buy or they don't. If you get into an end user, what's the next step? Great. So let's lay out next step. So obviously there may be something here. So typical next step is let's loop in the rest of your team. We'll do a high level for them, assuming it's something that you're interested in and want to move all right with. Then we'll loop in John, who it sounds like he's going to be responsible for signing off on anything. If it's yeah. something he feels comfortable with, your team feels comfortable with, then we'll do a proof of concept and we'll talk about this and then we'll talk about next steps from there. Does that work for you, Rachel? It's the <laughs> same thing over and over and over. If you're you have deja vu to, when, when, when you're doing this? Like, no, because I love this shit, dude. Yeah. It's like, I love it. Because they're, they're, it's the wrinkles. There's like, the wrinkles are like the personality types, but it's no, no, I don't get tired of it. I mean, I'm sure there's like days, but not really. It is that you know, That's why I started a consulting company around it, right? Like true, true. I've had this conversation with thousands of CEOs, sales leaders, marketing leaders, you know, fortune 100 companies down to, you know, small startups. So I, um, I enjoy making it uh, tactical and actionable to where it's like, oh yeah, I could, I could build a process around that. I'm like, yeah, you can. And like, now let's do it for you. So, right. you know, to me, there's the nuance of the buyer. I'm a naturally curious person. And so I know a lot about it. Like I know a lot or a little bit about a lot of different industries and I, I enjoy learning, you know, and I think that, mm. you know, there's these wrinkles that I, I really enjoy just, you know, intrinsically. Do you, does this, I mean, this, I can see how this demystifies everything. Does this, does this come into play? Do you ever work with companies where they're trying to like grow deal size? And is it, yeah. it when it's not big enough, does that mean they don't, they're not doing the right pattern or they're just, yes. not that's a complicated question, but I know no, it is. I, I'll tell, I already know what it is. I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, a, it's simple. The, the answer is almost universal. What happens in, and it's not even big deals, it's medium deals. There is this fallacy, okay? And I, if I can demystify, maybe I should have grabbed Thor's hammer and smoked this, this fucking thing there you too. Go. You got it? There it is. Okay, all right, <laughs> so I've got it. Is this idea of a champion that there is this person in Milwaukee who loves you so much, they are gonna derail their entire priorities <laughs> to, to shepherd <laughs> you to all these meetings. It is the most delusional. Look, does it happen once every couple of years? Sure, it happens. But it, it, it's, it's just, it's delusional that huh. these, that this person is actually going to, and there's, there's another stat. It's like 85% of companies um, state that they that they have poor collaboration. Departments aren't used to working together. That's your job in sales. So mm. if you're trying to increase your average deal size, you're trying to get deals to move faster. You have to be the internal 
champion. And this is a foreign concept. So it's like after, because here, here's a typical process, right? You show it to a few people. They're like, this is interesting. And they loop in other people. It just, it just is what it is. Yeah. You then have to do what we call separate solutioning, which is like, then I start that meeting with like, great 10. So um, typical, you know, what, like this meeting, we're going to talk about X, Y, Z. And then after this IT, we're going to set up a separate meeting where we're going to talk about kind of technical requirements, the API marketing. We're going to talk about integration with your system and we're going to set that meeting up for next week. Does that work for everybody? Great. Now let's talk about the business case and then you can mm -hmm. deflect you. Like I, I the, the saying is more meetings closes the deals actually faster because then I will go in quarterback. And then in my solution, guess what? IT sees exactly what's in it for them. And marketing sees exactly what's in it for them versus like big joint solution that people don't quite understand the nuances of how they're involved. So that is the number one way. If you want to close more deals, start setting up more one-to-one -one meetings with individual departments that are involved in the vetting or the implementation. Got it. And how does that tie into like the deal size thing? Do you, are people shooting themselves in the foot? You're like, yeah. Oh yeah, I'll yeah, just exactly. spend that little tiny deal even though I exactly. could have spent the big one on you. Well, there's two, there's two things around deal sites that I'll get into. Yeah. One is yes, because again, imagine, you know, marketing, the solution you put together because you didn't meet with marketing a few times independently. Yeah. You know, you, you got some insight through a third party who doesn't even work with marketing half the time. Same thing mm -hmm. with it. You got some feedback on what their challenges are, but you don't really know. And so when they see it, they're like, nah, you know, as opposed <laughs> yeah. to imagine the proposal now says marketing, I've talked to, you know, Veronica eight times, here's her needs and IT, here's your needs. Therefore, everyone is signed off, budgets automatically increase. The other thing, mm -hmm. and this is how with the client, I took a deal from zero to $4 million in 10 months. Okay. And it's understand that no enterprise organization goes all in out of the gate. This is the dumbest move I see sales leaders do. Stupid. They're like, well, okay, so you have 800 locations or 800 users. It doesn't really matter. Like, and you're like, great. So, so for 800 users, like this is our recommendation. Dude, you really think they're <laughs> going to do that? You think they're going to go from, you just walked in off the street, bro. And you think right. they're going to like, be like, okay, we're going to turn over how we operate. Come on, dude. Every right. company buys the exact same way. There's a, and again, I'm talking about the enterprise. There's a proof yeah. of concept, then a proof of scale, and then a big purchase. With this deal, there's an 800 location deal. We started with 25 and then it went to a region and then we closed the big deal. The stupidest move I see sales leaders do is they close annual contracts out of pilots. They, they, they want so desperately to lock in an annual deal. They don't realizing that with an annual deal, you're actually pushing the decision-making. I don't need to make it. Why do I need to make a decision? My 25 locations, we'll just keep waiting and seeing. Stupid, stupid. No. So do the small, do the small pilot yes. and then sell the even Time bigger. box it and get agreement to it. Like for me, there's no point in doing a trial without the next steps and budget already confirmed. What's the point? That's right. why we call it a proof of concept, not a trial or a pilot. We're not trying anything. We're not piloting. Either this thing's going to work or not. And if it works, right. this is what it looks like. Or, yeah. if it, or let's not even waste our time. Right. Too many people, like, we're so scared to have conversations with people and put people on the spot. Like, welcome to sales, dude. Your job <laughs> is to make people uncomfortable. It is to have the tough conversation. And not enough people, like, that is where I earn my stripes. That's where I get paid. I get paid to show up and have those difficult conversations. Right. Right. You know? So. Man. Anyway, man. man. So there you go. I'm debunking all kinds of myth. I love enterprise sales, if you can't tell. Because, again, enterprise sales for me follows this pattern to a T. 
to right. a T. I've closed. Doesn't matter multiple. what industry. Doesn't matter. Dude, does not matter. They're just man. like we have. I've worked with. Yeah. We've worked with one of the largest nuclear power companies in the U.S. We've worked with one of the large. Like, dude, you name it. We've worked in industries, and guess what? It's identical. Now, I don't know shit about uh, like selling. Like, I'll tell you what I, I don't like: selling to government and like RFPs and stuff. Ugh. Oh yeah. Screw that. <laughs> That's the worst, man. That's like I, I just, hell right yeah, there. Yeah, I'm, I'm just not – yeah, it's not my jam. You, you, you typically turn them down or just that's not your bag? Yeah, yeah like, I don't because it's not sales. It's like – the thing about an RFP, if you didn't write it <laughs> that, – that's the – I mean, and everybody knows this. Like if you didn't help to write the RFP with the person – Ugh, your likelihood to win just plummets, man. And there's companies that specialize in that. They love selling to the government. And I would just go, you know, work with one of those people. That's not an area that we specialize in or yeah. nor do I have any desire to get involved in. Same as like biotech. Biotech is just, it's wonky. You know, we're, we work with big companies in that space, like a Thermo Fisher and some others, but um, it, there's some other pieces of that we just won't touch because the sales cycle is so radically different when you're selling to mm. government or in biotech, you know, where your sales cycles, you know, seven years, six years long. Um, so, yeah, no doubt. How, how can marketing do a good, a better job plugging into this? Like, do you, do you see marketers failing to serve things up as you're, you know, you're trying to, you're trying to optimize the sales process yeah. and then you're getting some kind of bullshit coming over from right. marketing. Yeah. Uh, step one, go talk to a customer. Yeah. How about that? How about go right along at, you know, virtually? It's very easy now with Zoom. Right. Go sit in, like, if I'm a marketer, here's what I want you to do. I want you to hit the pause button. I want you to go on your email and I want you to set up time to listen in over the next two weeks to 20 sales conversations, all different stages of the funnel, different companies, hear what your buyers are saying. That to me is one of the most impactful things that you as a marketer can do, uh, you know, and be proactive in, in, in getting that feedback from sales as well. Right. Those, those to me are kind of two of the, I think the bigger ones that people can, you know, do. You know, it's funny you mention that because the first many years of my marketing career, I never once talked to a customer unless I was at a trade show drinking beer and then it was fun. But, but like it, was, it wasn't emphasized. It wasn't a part of the, it was all about the, the tech or the, you know, the marketing stuff. It was never like, well, wh who are these people? You know, what do they oh, want? Right. That's probably important, right? If you're in marketing yeah. and you're, you're marketing to someone like, it's kind of helpful to know what their issues are so you can put together content and then the nuances of those issues, um, you know, as opposed to if somebody's, you know, in finance or someone's in, you know, manufacturing or mm -hmm. whatever, that's the other thing. I don't think marketing understands like how important the nuances are of, you know, between industries and now, and I, and, I, and some marketers are phenomenal at this. They get it. They'll take one white and they'll create 15 versions of it for, you know, with slightly tweaks to a paragraph here or there based on an industry. And that's how you got to do it today. Marketers today have just been too much one size fits all. And, and what, what COVID has done has been a great equalizer for that and said, no, there's every, you, you don't, you don't know where your buyers are. Are they in industries that are doing fantastic? Okay. Maybe okay. We don't know or bad. And so you've got to delineate between that very quickly and you've got to get specific and have the right type of content and the right, you know, slice of that content for wherever that customer might be today, because they are, people are in such radically different places than they've ever been. Do you, do any industries stand out as like particularly quirky things about them when you're dealing with them? You mentioned the biotech and the government side. I don't know if any other ones jump out at you. Oh man. Uh, yeah. I mean, finance can be 
selling to big finance, I mean, it's, it's relatively in their commercial real estate, I think mm-hmm. can be a little more relationshipy. Sure. Um, but at the end of the day, they like, everyone likes money, commercial real estate and finance people in particular. Right. So if you can help them to see the story of what this is going to do for them, then, you know, they usually fall in line too. Yeah. And do you golf? Yes, I do. It's like a prerequisite, right? For sales? No, no idea. It's funny. I just literally just started getting back into it during COVID. Before that, I wasn't doing too much. The number one tip was talk to a customer. Anything else you recommend marketing does? Yeah. Uh, other tip for marketing, talk to customers. Uh, oh yeah, this, this is a big one. Um, I know we have all these shiny tools that allow us to do multi-touch attribution and all of this. We are B2B in particular. As more and more competition, more and more products become ubiquitous, brand is here to stay. Mm. You have to start to learn the importance of a brand can differentiate you more than you will ever know. And I think too many marketers right now have the mindset, if I can't track direct impact, because guess what? Their comp plans are all based on number of MQLs or SQLs, which is stupid. Again, like when you do a comp plan, so this is my third myth maybe. So it's like the second is don't sleep on brand. Don't stop, like your brand, just because you're a B2B company doesn't mean you have to be boring. You know, mm-hmm. like why, why do we have this idea that, you know, that because we're in B2B, you have to be boring. Like IBM, like we just need to. Yeah. I mean, I mean yeah, I mean, they're, they're trying their little hearts out. Right. But like, you know, <laughs> you can be even more out there. Like look at what B2C, you know, the consumer, right? Like, yeah. you know, like they'll create random stuff out of, you know, they have fun. I think we can do more of that. Like on a brand side, the, th- the, the thing I wanted to bring up first or last is compensation. Okay. One of the biggest friction points between marketing and sales is comp. If a marketer is incentivized with a majority of their compensation, not tied to revenue, which is the goal, right? Retaining yeah. business and closing new, versus generating a lead, you will always have friction in your marketing and sales work. If you, if you as a marketer think your job is to generate leads and SQLs or MQLs or whatever you call them at your company, you are always gonna have friction with your sales team hmm. because you're not compensated you're not incentivized at all to give a shit about what happens after step one. Right. That's not good. It's not, it's not good at all. You know, the amount of companies I see that spend actually any of their marketing time on current customers is ridiculously low, you know, like in generating more new business within current customers or getting referrals um, because of what I just said, why don't they pay attention and build more content to your question from before? Why is it marketing building more content for salespeople? They don't care. They're not compensated to care. So we, I see a lot of CEOs that create all these perverse incentives because their marketing team isn't tied to revenue. So weird. That, that makes sense. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm going to go after, you know, even if it's not a big base, like say, you know, big base, you know, compensation, co- per, you know, combo yeah. marketing might be just a little tiny bonus, it but can, it can be I remember, both. I yeah. mean, I'm okay with both. I'm okay. Like, look, yeah. pay, pay marketing for some of the things that some of the things they control. Right. Yeah. Some, but, but also don't, don't, don't get it twisted. What's the goal, my friends. It's the right. dollar. The goal isn't like just to, I don't know, like generate a lead. Right. No, it's to turn the lead into a, a and again, if you don't, um, if you don't know what people, what's top of mind for people and you don't know the buyer yeah. and, and you know, you're, you're always going to be focused on that. Like, 
very arbitrary versus, you know, if you're compensated on things further in the funnel, you're going to get to know the buyer more. You're going to want to produce more of that content for the buyer, all that stuff, you know? So anyway, that's so you, my, that's, so even that's just my a little bit of a bonus for marketing around that kind of stuff. Just, I think it has to be, I mean, to me, I, I would tie If look, if you said, what do I think is the best thing? I think a hundred percent of marketing bonus should be tied to revenue. Yeah. I just, I feel like it immediately think about, think about the same marketer at the same company, CMO, right? Yeah. A lot of you might be CMOs. Mm -hmm. One marketer's comp is tied to leads. One marketer's comp is tied to revenue. How foundationally different do you build a team? Do you interact with sales? Just by same person, same company, same industry, just by that tweak to the comp plan. Right. How much does that immediately shift the behavior? We underestimate how important comp plans are, you know, yeah. and, and, and that's why, why, why we've been harping on, and everybody's been harping on marketing and sales alignment. They don't realize it will never happen if the comp plans aren't aligned. It's impossible right. because again, of that analogy I just gave you, you can't have it both ways. Yeah, you know, I can that, see you know, the two conversations, you know, marketer with leads is like, I don't actually need sales to get leads. I don't even need to know anything about it. I'm not going to join those 20 phone calls. Yes. Don't really give a shit. I'm just kidding. And that's that's how so many marketing orgs run is exactly like what you just said. That's true. That's why they don't because they're incentivized to generate a lead. And then that's why sales is like the leads are shit and marketing is like the leads are good and we need more (laughs) content and because of this stupid thing. And it's like, you know, again, I, I'm okay with a portion of it being tied to that. That's fine. But at the end of the day, it's got to be revenue. So a friend of mine, Chris Walker, runs a really successful demand gen agency. Oh. And him and I were talking. Chris he, Walker? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, had, I was chatting with him. Dude, he's brilliant. Smart dude, man. But, but again, a, Chris runs an agency. We were literally, I was talking to him this morning. Um, you know, we're talking about it. He's like, no, I don't want my people to judge me on cost per lead. He's like, no, it's about dollar. You know, revenue contributed. You know, yeah. and. I think that that's just a smart, you know, a smart move. Yeah. And anything he says goes. So like, um, <laughs> guys hanging out might be too much, honestly. He, <laughs> he told me he drank like six cold brews before our podcast. Ah, uh, shit. And I was like, six. He's like, I, I like the rush. You know, it was like, there's a rush with six. I get one with a, with one. I know. I <laughs> know. Nah, he's, you know, we've got a good relationship. You know, he's doing a good job. He's, he's been able to build a really successful business quick. And if, for all you marketers out there, if you're looking for like a, an ad, like a demand gen agency that is no bullshit, I, I would hit up Chris 100%. Man, he schooled me on LinkedIn. I know you're really good at LinkedIn as well. Yeah. I, what, what is that magic? Do you spend all day on there? Yeah. I mean, I'll talk, I'll talk a little bit about LinkedIn for, yeah. for this. That, that would be the fourth myth is that the fourth myth for, for my marketing friends is that social organic social traffic is worthless, but I'm telling, we are generating millions with a plural of dollars for organic LinkedIn posts or organic. And, and I'll tell you what it was for me. What I realized finally is that, um, in 2018, May of 2018 is a very distinct time. You know, we were doing what every marketing, you know, every consulting firm does, putting out eBooks, blog posts, just like a good little consulting firm to get people to give us their email. And then and just <laughs> right. all my marketers out there, an eBook download is not a sign of intent. And it, it, like by any stretch of the imagination. So if you are calling that an MQL, like it's just, you're just beefing up your own numbers because that's how you're compensated probably. Um, right. So, uh, you know, we just saw what would happen. We put it out there and you know, we get 50, a hundred, hundred, whatever downloads and, you know, maybe a few would convert, but 
on social, just nothing, you know, it's like nothing, like nobody gave, nobody cares about that. And I'm like, man, why are we spending so much time and effort on this? Let's go all in. Instead, what are, what are people consuming? Shorts, bite-sized content, hmm. a LinkedIn post. And the best part of LinkedIn is it's text only. So you don't need to do that. You know, and that goes back to building brand. I, as a sales leader, I've said this before, if 20, if, if, if eight, 2018 Jake heard this Jake, heard this version talk about brand, he would punch him in the face. He would be <laughs> like, if, if it's not about leads and conversions, then it doesn't matter. And man, was I wrong. I was so wrong, man. Gosh. And, and the other thing is understanding that individuals can be much more powerful than a company. So as a B2B company, if I'm a marketer in B2B, how I'm going to break the game and I'm going to destroy everyone is I'm going to teach my team to do LinkedIn organic posting weekly, how to post industry insights organically, not resharing articles and links and stuff. I would break the machine easy, fast, quick, and organic LinkedIn posts. I would, ugh. Huh. You know, I, I think of it like the analogy I make to executives all the time is if I said to you, hey, guess what? Um, I've got a speaking event in Austin here and there's going to be 200 insert job titles, directors of finance and you sell to directors of finance. Do you want a five minute speaking spot? You would get on a plane and fly to Austin to go do that. Right. Okay. Let's, let's go digital. You have 2000 people in that. LinkedIn is a speaking spot every day. Yeah. Why not put something out to those, those people? And, and so it's just such, it's just low hanging fruit, man. It's so easy. Like, I think it's like less than 3% of, um, what do you call it? Uh, less than 3% of people on LinkedIn actually contribute content. And so the ability to stand out is just not, it's not a, not a high bar. Let's put it really? that way. But like, yeah, I, no, you know, I know I've written some posts on there and back when posts were a thing and it's like, sometimes you get like a few likes or more, you just got to be consistent. Is that what it is? And I mean, some people yeah, think it is hard. And keep, and keep adding to your audience. You know, when I started back in 2018, I had 8,000 followers or something. Cause I'd had a LinkedIn profile since like mid 2000s sure. or something. So I had 8,000 followers when I really started getting serious. Do you think I magically got to like, I don't know what I'm at 45 or whatever I'm at now. No, I went and added people. I, grew, uh, like, yeah, yeah. I took a proactive approach and guess what? I, I sell to see, you know, you know, my clients are CEOs and, and senior sales and marketing leaders. Right. So guess, guess who I added to my network? <laughs> like, you know, like you gotta, right. you gotta be purposely, you know, we call it ad post and engage, you know, you've got to grow your audience and then you've got to find unique ways to engage, you know, comment on their post, um, et cetera. And a lot of the outbound plays, like, you know, we do a lot of, um, tech implementations, uh, for yeah. different tools. Um, and you know, we're probably doing like 10 to 15 a month. And most of the plays that we're running, they start with LinkedIn. Mm. And then if people aren't active, then we move to calls and emails. But you know, with these tools now, a lot of people think that these tools are just like marketing automation 2.0. You just hit send all. No, 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 no. That's not how anybody should be using these tools. These mm. tools can be containers for any type of activity you want. What's the message you tell your sales team to get them to do this? Is it a carrot? Is it a stick? Are you just saying do it because it's a habit or? What we do, so we obviously we do this for companies too. This LinkedIn strategy is a new wrinkle for us. We added really this year yeah. because it's just, you know, we were already building these demand gen teams or overhauling big teams. And we just realized like LinkedIn's got to be a part of it. It's call, email, and LinkedIn, you know? I mean, like mm -hmm. the, it, it's, it's, it's not just like you've got, and what we, what we realize is most, most companies don't have a LinkedIn strategy. They've got a call email, like yep. little thing. And they're like, we're mixing in some LinkedIn. 
so, you know, for us, what we do is we'll just take a sample group because there's usually within an org, like a, a few people or a handful of people that will be ready to rock or want to yeah. do it. So a lot of the work that we'll do is we'll just get a handful of the people that are already ready to, to roll and we just make them successful. And then this, it, life gets real stupid easy. They're like, wait, this guy, we got a, we had a rep at one of our clients. This is, this, uh, he, we did a, if you go to my YouTube uh, you can see I, I interviewed him and another rep from a different client okay. just about, about their results. And this dude, he, he got, he's a sales development rep. He got in trouble because he was getting so many leads from outside his territory <laughs> that, right. that the sales leadership was getting pissed at him. Like people were literally pissed because he was producing interesting content. I think they sell him to real estate. And so he would get commercial real estate people reaching out to him. This guy said, I God, I can't remember. He, he started writing this one play where he would view people's profile. Then he'd send him an email that said, hey, um, just checked out your profile on LinkedIn or something. I can't remember the exact play. And then he'd do another email. When he started kicking off the sequence, again, starting at LinkedIn, he set six appointments in his first two days and got two inbound calls. Inbound. Why? Because you can create a little bit of rapport with someone yeah. on LinkedIn. And guess what? Most executives get almost no interaction. So if you go comment on a couple of their posts, you don't think they're going to remember who you are? Because their posts, true, right, their posts are getting zero comments right now, or it's all employees. So if you, here's the easiest play. You go, you build out a list. You have sales navigators a must. Sales, to me, it's just, it's, it's an absolute must for, for every sales word. Um, so you go out, you build a list of individuals. Then there's some different, I won't get too much into that tactic, tactics of like yeah, the rest yeah. of the plays you can run, but it's, you do a filter by people have posted in the last 30 days. It's a real quick, easy filter. Then I go and I just, I comment on this post. I comment on that post. Then wait four days, go back and see who posted again, comment again. Yeah. And then hit the, and then, and then hit the connect button. Watch what happens to your connect ratio. One, it'll skyrocket. Right. Two, then you slow play it again on date four days later and then you DM them. So over the course of like eight days, I've commented on a couple of their posts. They definitely know who I am at this point. Mm -hmm. And I've built a little rapport. Then I come in with the DM, the call, the email, whatever it is. And so there's just, you know, there's just, it just, it's a tool that just allows you to do things that you could not do years ago. I mean, you, just, you, couldn't, right. you couldn't build that level of rapport. So when people are building these archaic engines that are still so email call heavy and their audience is active on LinkedIn, it's just like, what are you doing? Right. You know, like why wouldn't, it's a new medium. Like you, you can't afford to ignore it. Just like, you know, whenever all we had was calls and it took people to get, <laughs> to get in line to track emails, you right. know, you know, back, you know, 15 years ago. So back in the day, huh? How, the day. how do you, how do you send that, that uh, direct message to someone without sounding like every other idiot LinkedIn spammer yeah. in the planet? Yeah, I mean, the, the key is you got to be specific, meaning yeah. like what we're seeing now with all these, again, these aren't send all. I, I wish I could for every sales organization, eliminate the send all button. I mm -hmm. guarantee the amount of appointments you will set as a sales organization, if you eliminate the send all button is going to be astronomical because you're going to then allow your team to turn their brains on. And I feel like with a lot of these tools, we're just asking our sales works to turn their brain off. Like we know better, et cetera. And that's why the results are horrible. Yeah. I think I saw, I can't remember what the stat, I want to say it was 50%, it's 50 or 60%. And this is pre COVID. Yeah. It was like only 50% of like sales development reps are actually hitting their numbers. Well, why do you think that is? Yes. Like, guess what? In 2015, when, when these tools were new, you could hit like custom field, custom field, and it worked. Well, well guess what? Now everyone's doing it. So you got to zag, you got to zig, you know, if everyone's yeah. zagging, you zig or whatever they say. I think it's the opposite, but you can. And you talk about the past. Where, where do you see, <laughs> what's coming around the corner, the future? Like what, 
where does all this end? LinkedIn up? is still the future for a while. Yeah. I mean, I feel like LinkedIn's got a long self shelf life, you know. And then I think you know, look, I think we're going to enter into the. It's so funny if you really think about it. Um, we're going to enter into the age of uh, sales reps having. You sales reps have always had reputations, right? Like, let's go back to the times of yore, right? Mm-hmm. There's John Henderson in Albuquerque, and John is known throughout his community as a the the go to insurance guy or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. Well, again, what do you think LinkedIn is? (laughs) Like, I think if as a seller, there's nothing more important you can do than build a brand in your industry. Yeah. And the sellers that do that are going to make so much money so easy. It's going to be silly. Right. Like they're in, in almost every industry that you're, you know, and for my marketers out there, I want you to think about what would happen if you actually did what I was saying with your sales org and how that would help you from a, you know, lead gen standpoint. Yeah. Um, it's, I really feel like we're going to enter into the, the brand age where, because what happens is everything B2C comes to B2B just, yeah. you know, five, 10, 15 years later. And so as a seller, if I can connect with, a, you know, 5,000 people that are directors of finance in these types of companies, I take that net, network with me for forever. Yeah. They look at me as a thought leader, you know? Yeah. So I feel like that, that to me is probably the most important thing I could tell anyone who's on like the front lines, front lines is build at least a minimal reputation. You already have one. Yeah. You already have one. It's just, are you going to do anything about it? You know? Right. You have, yeah. It's like, you know, companies have cultures, whether they admit it or not. And you've got a brand as a individual rep and as a company, whether you admit it or not. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly. Who are you? Jake, you're like this, like, (laughs) like sales whisperer. LinkedIn uh, wizard of the high seas. Like take me back in time. Little Jake days. where did you grow up? Little Jake. Did you always know you're going to be in sales? Were you hustling from day one or what's up? Yeah, it's interesting. So I was born in a town of 900 people in Iowa called Primgar. Um, it's in like North central Iowa. If you're going to look it up on a map um, and grew up in the Midwest. So I grew up, um, moved, lived in Nebraska for a little bit, then moved to yeah. Kansas city when I was seven. Um, and, you know, it's interesting, man. Uh, the answer is kind of like, yes, and my grandfather uh, had, had been an entrepreneur, but I really didn't. Um, I had no, I never thought I'd entrepreneur. I never thought I'd start my own company. I had no like, like, like uh, big dreams or anything. Like, you know, I thought I, I enjoyed working from a really young age, you know, like I worked, cool. I liked to work. Um, and so went to college in uh, Springfield, Missouri, uh, which is known as the Harvard of the Ozarks. Uh, which uh, Southwest, it was Southwest Missouri State when I went there, which by the way, it's bigger than Mizzou, just so you know, there's 20,000 undergrads. So it's, it's, it's now Missouri, it's now Missouri State. So it sounds much more prestigious. Um, and, you know, I, you know, it's interesting. Um, I, from a, I started working full time and going to school full time. After my junior year, I came away with like nine credit hours. Right. I did not give a sh- I was just like, man, I'm just partying, having fun. My wow. dad's like, Oh, you want to do that? Great. Like, guess who's I'm not doing, pay- giving you any money. I'm like, uh Oh, <laughs> like, right. I guess I better go. So man, I took, I was doing telemarketing in college. I was waiting tables. And what happened, man, someone asked me, Jake, what advice would you give you for 20? And it's the same. It's actually what I did. It's like, start working now, start getting the skill set now. Right. And what happened is when I graduated, I had almost two years of sales experience under my belt. I destroyed every new grad. 
I mean, I moved up, I, I started in sports. I moved up in the, from six to first 16 months from being brand new to being one of only two senior account executives in the entire org out of, you know, like 35 plus sellers. Jeez. And, and it was because I was a student, I had already acquired skill. And I've talked a lot about this and, and I'll tell you, my mindset is never take a job for money. You take a job to develop a skill, to move to the next role, to develop a skill, to move to the next role, to develop, and you start developing those skills in the role that you're in. And that's why a lot of people get missed over for promotions. They don't realize like, I'm not looking for someone to then who, who's just going to, I'm just going to give a manager role. I'm looking for somebody who's already doing the things that look like a manager to promote. Yeah. And, and I, I figured that I had a boss when I was 26 and he really helped me shape some of this structure, which is like, you know, one, you getting promoted is not a goal. And that changed kind of part of my career path. I'm like, what, what do you mean? He's like, it's not a goal because I control it. Goals are only things you can control. And this helped me to understand the importance of managing up. So then I said, oh, he goes, well, let me tell you what you can control. Are you number one in activity? Are you hitting your sales goals? Are you a mentor to the team and you're leading trainings? Can you do that? Yeah, I can do that. Cool. I got promoted to a leadership role like two months later. Right, and, right, exactly. Because I, real, no I reverse engineered that. it. I reverse yeah. engineered the promotion. You know, and I think too many people, they sit their whole life and their whole career guessing what they should be doing to be successful instead of having a conversation with someone, you know? the three things and pinning that person down you know yeah. what are the three things so got in uh sales leadership two and a half years then went back in the field because i needed enterprise experience you know, as 20 at 29 i was the youngest out of 75 national account executives at career builder um because dude, i'm a student i just reverse engineer outcomes i have no sacred cows about anything i if you tell me that jake if you say abraham lincoln john wilkes booth to start every meeting you'll close more deals i'll start doing it tomorrow like, right. if you, <laughs> do right if you now. tell me that yeah. you, you know, that what you're supposed to do in a sales meeting is like throw something at someone, I'll start doing it right now. I don't right. care. I care about winning. I don't care about if it's my idea, your idea, um, right. et cetera. And that, that, that's what allowed me to grow really fast in my career is that I, I believe, and it's almost delusional. I've got a coach and, and, you know, we talked, we had to talk about this yesterday. It's kind of funny. I just believe every problem solvable. I, mm -hmm. I just, there's eight something billion people on the planet, guys. It, everything's there's not that much original thought left you know yeah. like it's like we had, we had a new grad who started with us she'd interned for us a few months ago i said look shelby what's the very first thing you do when you get a project well i do this well, what if you've never done it before well i'll, I'll try this like i was like i'm just gonna stop you the answer is google youtube <laughs> like yeah. the answer is google youtube google you don't know how to do something google youtube you know like too many people walk around just like trying to figure things out it takes months to figure out. I'm like, right. uh, well, here's a template on how to do it. So I'll just start there and I'll just, right. Do that. And that's what I did throughout my career. You know, as I took templates, when I left career builder, I took over as a vice president of sales at Glassdoor. Guess what? I took the machine that I saw at career builder and just implemented it at Glassdoor. And then when I went to the next startup, I just did the same thing for the consultancy that, you know, we, we, we do this for companies. And right. so for me, the, the leap to being my, my, a business owner is not that glamorous, which was, um, I realized what my career path was after my second head of sales and success startup. It was every two to four years, I'm going to get fired or layered no matter how good I am. Really? Because that is the game. And, and all you marketing leaders, you can appreciate this probably yeah. too. Everything is your fault. Bad product, your fault. Bad whatever. For marketers, bad sales team, your fault. For salespeople, bad marketing, your fault. And it doesn't matter because, and the, the needs of a business evolve quickly. And I liked working with growth stage companies. Um, and you just need different things at different times. And um, I was like, man, I, 
that sounds horrible. <laughs> like, that sounds really stupid. Why would I just keep working for these people, killing myself, you know, yeah. generating a million dollars a month in, in revenue for them? Like, well, I'll, why not just go do this on my own? And so that's mm -hmm. when I started scaled in, you know, late 2012, early 2013 was like, I'm just going to build a company that's going to go and help organizations. And we've evolved now to working with much bigger companies too on, on kind of modernization and optimization. Yeah. Um, but that's the journey, man. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in there. I mean, I can talk about how many times I was fired and all kinds of stuff, but like, you know, we can take it, but that's like the, that's actually the abridged version. So yeah, only the good ones get fired, right? So yeah, I got, well, is that what I tell, tell myself? To or, well, if you tell your boss to fuck off, you'll also get fired. You know, I have not crossed that off my bingo checklist. <laughs> Do, it. Do it. Well, here's the thing. A lot of, it happens in sales a lot. Yeah. Where leaders get real familiar with their reps. You know, they've gotten happy hours, get drunk and do whatever. And I didn't realize at 26 that like a lot of leaders are messed up where it's like, wait, so you're going to sit here and shoot the shit and talk shit to me. But if I jokingly tell you to F off, you're, you're going to fire me. Like, dude, that's jacked up. Yeah. You know? And so that's when I just realized like, and I sucked at politics, dude. I, mm -hmm. and, and by the way, that that's not, it, it is a good skill actually to be okay at politics just so you can navigate and get a little what you want cross departmentally. Sure. I was not, I am not good. I'm better at it today, but it's still not a strength of mine. It's just like just placating to people to placate. I just, it's, it's not a strength. It's hard, man. The BS, the BS game is hard. Oh, <laughs> Hey, hi, that's great. Oh, that's so great. Great effort. Yeah. You know, I, like, oh. Golf Bye. club. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thanks. Do you, See I mean, you, you obviously you're super busy. I mean, how much time do you put into LinkedIn? Um, as like Ooh, a uh, I would say probably 30 minutes to an hour every day. Okay. I can do that. Probably. Uh, the, uh, the Jake Dunlap LinkedIn gym, the hardcore gym. <laughs> yeah. I mean, put, put in the you got to put in the work. I mean, early on. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's easily an hour. Yeah. 30 yeah. minutes to an hour every day. Okay. I think that's, that's probably about right. Do you have time for barbecuing, for golfing? All the, I mean, you're a busy guy. Yes. Do you do you have time to get out? And especially during yeah, I'm COVID. going golfing here in like four hours. Like yeah. For me, yeah. Nice. So for me, um, uh, yeah, I love to. I'm, I'm a big. I can't. I'm, look, I grew up in Kansas City, right? So you know, mm -hmm. we're a barbecue city. Now I live in Austin, Texas, which is like the brisket in Austin, Texas. And my do my Kansas City friends are like disowning me. But which one's better? Do you think? Would you say it's Austin? different? It's different. Different. Okay. Austin for brisket. And here's the thing: the top Kansas City barbecue is on par with the top places in Austin. It's sure. the amount of top places in Austin. Sure. And like this, the amount of where you can go and get brisket that will be some of the best brisket that you had in your life. There's probably like at least 15 places you could go and it'll be better than probably, yeah, 98% of brisket you've ever had. Um, so no, I enjoy it on the weekends, man. I've got a big smoker, so I enjoy smoking as well too. I got into that when I moved to Texas, I thought that's, that's what you're supposed to do. So I did it. <laughs> um, and yeah, no, I honestly, it's interesting. I am a calendar freak, right? And what that means is this, it's that I, any, any project I reverse engineer on the very first day. So if I know I need to get something done, I, it's all in my calendar before I even start. Right. And, and so for me on my calendar, I might have, I mean, I'll just try to give some rough math for this week. How many meetings I have this week. All right. I'm going to guess this week I have mm, 55 meetings, roughly, yeah. maybe, maybe 50. Um, but I, that, that actually doesn't give me anxiety. It's like, it actually allows me to execute more effectively. 
Sure. Because I prioritize and I'm constantly, so I've already reprioritized all of next week and the week after I'm constantly mm. shifting because, you know, I got to keep my eyes on what's the most important things. And I can't let, you know, call it the whirlwind. You can't let the whirlwind take away from your big priorities. And so for me, by calendaring and being doing extreme time blocking, it's actually very freeing for me. Yeah. You know, my golf said, but again, also my golf said the, the calendar, right? So it's like, you gotta put it in, man. If you don't put it in, it may not happen. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's my, you know, that's how I kind of stay organized is I, I use my calendar in an extreme way. The other hack that I have is I, I have a, a task every morning that's called yesterday's to do's. And so mm -hmm. what I do is I use this, like, let's say I've had a particularly busy day and I've got a lot of takeaways and think shit that I need to get it done as I then will go to whatever day I'm going to do it and copy and paste in whatever that thing is. So I also like for the amount of things I do and the amount of balls that I drop, my, the amount of balls that I drop is astronomically low compared to any other human I've ever met. I, I rarely, rarely wow. drop balls because I create these mechanisms that are actually quite simple to execute that make up and compensate for my natural. I'm not naturally a type A person. I become more type A the older I get, but these things allow me to act and behave like a very type A, you know, sure. person. So it's like things you didn't do today, you're going to carry them over to a list for tomorrow? Or like, yeah, like let's say I had, we had a sales meeting and there's a proposal. And let's say I said I'd get that person that proposal by Tuesday. So I'll go to, to Monday's yesterday's to do's I'll copy and paste in proposal for XYZ. Mm. Um, let's say instead I've got to send a follow. I had a meeting. I need to send a follow-up email to I'll go to tomorrow's yesterday's to do's and put follow-up email, Chris. So all you of that in your calendar, that, there's like a calendar event. There's literally a calendar invite called yesterday's to do's by doing it this way. It actually makes things much less manic, you know, make, make sure that yes. again, bullets aren't dropping. I love it, man. I'm going to go make that right after we're done here. Where, where, <laughs> All right, where can people connect with you? Where, where can they reach out, learn more about, you know, connect with you? And Absolutely. also, obviously they need to follow you on LinkedIn, uh, but also the LinkedIn. company too and all that. Yeah, for sure. So if definitely. And if you're into sales, marketing and leadership, I mean, I feel like I put out some of the best content on LinkedIn. I'll agree. let others be the judge. Um, and you know, my, my thing is tactics, dude. I, I have always hated theory people. <laughs> Like, okay, great. It's, it's part of why I started Scale, my consulting firm. I worked with consultants at both Glassdoor and at Chartbeat. And these consultants, man, they come in, they give me this document. It's like 50 pages about our international expansion. What am I supposed to do with this? Like, <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks, Ryan. Like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> oh, Ryan, like, I hated, under the bus. You know, I, I hated consultants because they don't get tactical. And for us, I, I get very tactical. And why, why people appreciate working with us is like, you know, we're focused on actually helping people to pull through the change. Yeah. not just like make a bunch of recommendations. So, so for me, I think you follow me on LinkedIn, you're going to get a lot of tactical marketing, sales, leadership advice. Um, you know, you can always email me jake at scaled, S-K-A-L-E-D.com. Go check out the website. You can click on the, our services, learn more about what we do on the sales and marketing side, um, you know, from a strategy standpoint and tactical execution. Mm -hmm. uh, but those are the best places, man. YouTube, we've been, I'm investing, just type in Jake Dunlap sales. And, you know, I probably have... I don't know, 300 plus videos up now. So if you if you want to binge on sales, you wanted to snuggle up to some sales videos of this, you know, me getting all fired up, then YouTube's probably your best bet if you, you know, you want to go binge watch a bunch of tips. That's awesome. Man. I got to get my algorithm, you know, synced up with you so that yeah, late night I should be going to sleep. No, I think I'm going to go on YouTube and then 4 hours later like, <laughs> what just happened, you know? That's TikTok. He's like I learned something. TikTok is a I, I deleted off my phone cuz there's yeah. like so much funny shit 
And I'm just like, this is a complete, literally, I, this happened like, can't remember. I mean, I deleted it. I literally had to delete it. So I'm like, TikTok literally put up a video. It says, you've been scrolling too long. Like TikTok has really? a filter that says like, I'm like, oh God, like what am I doing here? Just like scrolling, watching like random funny videos and like, you know, stupid shit. So absolutely. Like what just, what just, what did I just watch in the last two Dude, and a half, I have no three clue. hours? I have no clue. No I have idea. No, no it was idea. awesome. <laughs> yeah. Like people talking about Forex trading or something. I don't oh know. man. Oh, right. No. Repeat. Um, well, dude, this is fun, man. Thanks for coming on Good, here. Good, man. Yeah, I enjoyed it, man. This is long. strategies and tactics. I know, man. We got into a lot today. Keeping it I, real. I liked it. Yeah, all over the place. So I, I think there's going to be some good takeaways in there for folks. A uh, hundred. I'm going to have to record some right after this. Uh, but for the people listening, if you learned something, and I freaking know you did, because I've got two pages of notes over here, front and back, then uh, then share this episode with someone. You know, be a thought leader, but put your thoughts Go on share. there. What's that? That's right. Go share it. Blow this thing up. Yeah. You know, go out, make sure to re- leave a review. Let us know what you thought. Absolutely. Tag the right people and we're going to comment on it. We're going to comment and connect with you. That's how it works. That's how we've That's learned right, it. Man. Awesome, That's Jake. Right. Hey, take care, buddy. I appreciate your time today, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. All right. For everyone listening, this has been the Hardcore Marketing Show. Catch you all next time. 